Psalm 144.1 says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who uh, trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. Um, and so the, the idea of even God blessing us uh, with the ability to defend ourselves is, is right there in Scripture, and there's more that can be said about that. But in terms of um, martial arts systems, it would depend on which system, because I actually happen to agree with Christians who have done some analysis of particular systems and have said that, um, you know, the origins of this system are, are pagan, uh, Eastern mysticism, those sorts of things, and they can't be divorced um, for the practice, and the system can't be divorced from its, from its beginning, from its worldview. And I actually happen to agree with that. There are systems like that, like Tai Chi, um, I think in many ways, like a system like yoga that was developed as a worship uh, system, so the postures even are a form of worship linked to the, uh, the worldview and the, of the early practitioners. But However, um, combat system, systems of martial arts, um, say for example, um, Shotokan or Shorin-ru or Chandakwan Taekwondo, these are systems that um, actually started as combat systems. They're martial science, fighting science systems on how to actually uh, effectively uh, defend yourself. And, um, and so those systems, they were scientific systems uh, for combat. And it really didn't matter what, uh, and doesn't really matter what the belief is, um, the spiritual beliefs of a practitioner when, in terms of the science of how the body works, uh, the quickest way to move around an opponent. So uh, in the end, um, yes, there are systems that you should absolutely, as a Christian, stay away from. And if you're finding a school you have to make sure that you look into these sorts of things and ask questions about what, what are we learning here, what is your ultimate goal, what do you believe, um, are, any of, are any of us, you know, Eastern spiritual uh, beliefs going to be taught in class? Uh, those sorts of things need to be asked. But generally speaking, um, especially in the West, um, you're going to have a, a school or a system that's going to be primarily focused on the combat or the sport aspect and you could easily divorce any kind of spiritual beliefs from the early practitioners with the system. Well, it's brilliant to hear your perspective on this, and uh, we'd love to know a bit more of your faith journey. So tell us how you came to know the Lord. Well, I wasn't raised in um, a Christian home under the hearing of the gospel. I uh, knew that there was a man named Jesus uh, and that he uh, claimed to have died and risen again, and uh, there was a book that hung around on my parents' shelf, uh, no matter where we were in the world, uh, that collected dust, and uh, I knew that that was his book. And um, that's about what I knew about Jesus. And I knew that God uh, was um, holy and good, and uh, I knew, of course, that I was a sinner, uh, but wasn't under the hearing of the gospel. And when I was about 17 years old, I actually came home from teaching karate one night, and I was eating in front of the television real late at night, and I saw a Billy Graham message on television. That was the first time I heard really about Christ and what he came for, and I had what I thought was a conversion. To this day, I'm not quite sure. I'm very, very doubtful that it was genuine. I had what I thought were some life changes and uh, moved from Washington, D.C. to Phoenix. I actually went to Bible college, and it was a couple years later I actually dove sort of headfirst into drug and alcohol addiction, and um, my life completely collapsed and fell apart. And uh, by the end of that year of addiction, God smashed my life and uh, showed me my sin. I began to re-examine my life and my heart, uh, and I began to ask tough questions. 
as I was reading Christ's call to come to him, I began to ask whether I had ever actually repented of my sin to come to Christ to trust in him for salvation. I began to wonder whether I had ever come to Christ as Lord of my life. I started to wonder whether I had come to Christ merely to escape hell. I began to wonder wonder whether I had ever actually submitted myself to Christ in faith. And um, it was after that time period that God really exposed me for who I was, and I turned to Him in faith, and it was genuine. So I know for sure that that was where God brought me to Himself. And so from that time, God has... I've been a work in progress. God's been changing my heart, my life, and it was many years after that I had no intention of going uh, really ultimately into ministry at that point. I had no intention of a ministry for drug and alcohol addicts. I had just been growing in my faith with Christ, and the elders of the church I was at uh, began to speak into my life and tell me that they had seen certain giftings and that I, they felt like I was called to serve God ministry and to be a pastor. And um, I resisted that for a long time. And after a long period of time serving God and owning my own karate school at the time, but really serving God full-time in ministry, God made it very, very clear it was time to leave and um, and serve Him uh, in vocational ministry. And uh, so eventually what had happened was I was a pastor at a church while I was also the chaplain at a hospital. It was a drug and alcohol rehab facility. So many people were coming to Christ through that hospital and that ministry it became very, very clear we needed a place to care for them. And uh, a lot of men, uh, pastors, uh, seminary professors, uh, men that knew me well, began to speak in my life and tell me that it was, uh, it was time for me to plant Apologia Church to take care of all these people who had come to Christ out of uh, drug and alcohol addiction. So after a lot of fighting with God and uh, trying to tell him no, uh, he made it really, really clear I needed to do it. And so um, about seven years ago, we planted Apologia Church um, actually at the hospital in the family building with just a handful of people who were, had just come to Christ out of drug and alcohol addiction. And we were there at the hospital for about six months. And after that, we moved. And uh, now we have a, a church of about 250 people, I think, about 150 or so members. And we have a, a ministry that's worldwide in terms of our, our reach our teaching ministry and outreach, um, uh, Apologia Radio, this year will have been downloaded probably close to a million times, directly downloaded. Um, we have a, a, a YouTube channel with millions and millions of views, and we have a TV show that airs on the NRB network three times a week, um, just with teaching ministry, interviewing some amazing scholars and theologians and scientists. Um, it's just been a real humbling experience uh, just to see all that God has done. Uh, tell us, while you're speaking here in Australia, what's the main theme of the message that you're bringing? Well, I'm speaking so many times in so many different places across Australia and New Zealand, doing a lot on apologetics, uh, the defense of the Christian faith, the gospel. I'm speaking on um, issues like um, atheism, how to witness to atheists, how to engage the culture. So, I would, you know, I would probably say engage in the culture, because I'm also doing some discussions on the abortion issue, atheism, uh, skepticism, uh, creation. I think overall the, the focus is the gospel, bringing the gospel into all of those areas with uh, humble boldness. That's fantastic, mate. It's so good to hear you uh, share, you know, about, uh, you know, being humble, 
but bold at the same time because a lot of people would see that as uh, a contradiction, wouldn't they? They would. They would. And I think that um, if, you, if you look at the New Testament record, say particularly look at, um, for example, just the book of Acts, when you see uh, the Spirit of God poured out on, on God's people and them now being launched into the world to fulfill that promise to Abraham that Abraham would have descendants as numerous as the stars, uh, that all the families of the earth would return to worship God. As they're being sent out now, you see them boldly proclaiming the gospel. They're actually in Acts chapter 9. Paul goes directly to, the, to Damascus, to the synagogue, um, after his conversion to uh, actually argue uh, with the Hellenistic Jews who were there, um, and they want to kill him. Uh, the church is built up, it's multiplied, uh, they experience peace, but he goes in and he actually boldly confronts uh, their worldview, their position, and he proves from the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. He actually argued with them, and um, some of them came to Christ, and some of them wanted him dead. Um, and you see that really, that was the M.O., that was the, how they operated in the early church. They went out, preached the gospel in the marketplaces, in the place of toughest philosophical debate and discussion, say in Acts 17 and Mars Hill, the Areopagus, Paul is confronting the paganism of his day. He's doing it in a hostile context, and he does something that's pretty bold. He doesn't ask them uh, to try Jesus out. He doesn't ask them to um, give Jesus a chance in their life. He actually says that God commands men everywhere to repent. That's pretty bold. Um, however, you see throughout the scriptures, say, that same Apostle Paul in Second Timothy 2, 24 through 26, he says that the Lord's servant must be um, patient when wronged, able to teach, in humility correcting those who oppose themselves, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And so you see the Apostle Paul, uh, Peter, uh, saying the same thing, saying, do this with gentleness and with reverence. Uh, but you see them actually preaching the gospel in such a way that they actually create conflict even with their governing authorities, um, but it's not with arrogance. It's just the truth of the gospel. It's with humility and respect, understanding the sovereignty of God and the grace of God and salvation. Uh, but there's a humble boldness there. There's telling the truth as it is, not pulling any punches, preaching the gospel 100 proof, and there's also the humility that you can see there, uh, really commanded by God, because we recognize that it is ultimately God who opens the eyes of the blind and changes the hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. And so we can be humble, recognizing that it's not us um, really involved in trying to necessarily convert people, quote-unquote convert people, but it's really God who saves sinners, and our job is to go out there and proclaim that gospel, and, and through that proclamation, God, by His Spirit, um, He empowers that message and brings it to life. And so we can be humble, but we ought to be bold, because it's the truth of the gospel. Well, it's so good to hear you proclaim the message so clearly today. We need more guys like you uh, sharing their story and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. If people want to find out more, uh, the website is apologiaradio.com. There you can listen to the podcast of Apologia Radio. And we've been talking with Pastor Jeff Durbin from Apologia Church in the US. Jeff, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, sir. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. 
there you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater. And why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's Word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor.